welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 56. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins, and this week I've got, it's going to be probably quite a long ramble because I've got a lot to talk about. Firstly, before I begin, I want to just clarify some of the things I said in my last podcast. I always do that. Sometimes I think, well, I don't want things to be misconstrued. Um, So in my last podcast, I spoke about pets and um, because I work in a cattery. Um, I just want to make clear that I don't, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do to try to take your cat to your hotel, you know, like put the cat on the plane and take the cat on vacation. Um, Cats hate being away from home and they certainly, the whole airport and everything's incredibly stressful for them. So I really wasn't, I hope that nobody thought I was suggesting that. I mean, the best, you know, the best things that we can do for them are um, still problematic for them. But so what I, what I really want to say is like, you know, because of the, because they are little persons and they're not able to independently live in our world when we do have to leave them, we have no choice but to, you know, put them in a cattery or we could leave them at home maybe with somebody to come over and look at them. That's probably the ideal scenario. The ideal scenario is to never leave them. Uh, but, you know, we can't always do that. So I'm not saying that. In fact, that like I say, the, the cats that I get to look after are the lucky cats. You know, they have responsible, you know, responsible owners who care about them and are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're looked after properly. It's just that because of their status as property and because they are just not, you know, our world is just not conducive to them. You know, no matter what we do, even the best possible thing we can do is still, it's the, still the animals suffer, you know. So even like an abolitionist vegan or a vegan abolitionist or however you prefer to say it, we are also, you know, we have to do things um, that we don't want to do because they're the best things for our cats. So like if I was to go away, I would totally put Buddha in the cattery. Um, I know that she would be absolutely miserable, but the alternative is to leave, you know, to leave her alone. Ideally, she could stay here and somebody could come. But anyway, I just want to make that really clear. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not suggesting people take, try to, you know, even if hotels do accept animals, but, you know, I'm not suggesting that that would be the right thing to do. I'm just saying, you know, because of the institution of domestication, they, you know, we have to sterilize them. We do all these things. It's because we, as Gary Francione so well says in the, in the, in, in the, um, it's on his video, Introduction to Animal Rights, but he says it in other places. We drag the animals into the quote-unquote burning house scenario, and then we rend our hair wondering, you know, what are we going to do? They always lose. They're always going to lose. Even the most well-cared for, even the most well-cared for pet um, uh, by the, even an abolitionist vegan who has taken them, this this pet and, and realizes that they're refugee. I mean, we, the difference is the thing that I want people to realize when I talk about these things, because um, I don't want them to be misconstrued. Um, people who, you know, are res- taking care of non-humans are doing a good thing. I, I support adoption of non-humans. We, we need to take care of them. Um, I am glad that people are doing whatever they can do to make sure that they're, you know, that the non-human refugees that live in their home are taken care of when they go away. I mean, that, that's not the point I was making. The point I was making is, as always, that domestication is wrong. And there are many reasons why 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 it is wrong. Um, I think the difference is, and I think the thing when I try to talk about these things, um, and hopefully people don't misconstrue, it, is like, for example, when I brought Buddha over from New York, she had to stay in quarantine for a month. 
Um, she had to go through all kinds of terrible things. And to be honest, if I was the person that I am now, I probably wouldn't have done that to her, and I probably would have stayed in New York. But then again, my situation in New York wasn't ideal either, you know. Um, I didn't really have anywhere to live. Uh, that was, uh, it was just, it was a struggle. And, you know, she was stuck with me, you know. I never planned to get, I never planned to, well, I got Buddha years ago before I was vegan, but I never planned to even adopt any animals because I was barely surviving myself. And there's a huge responsibility. You have to pay vet cares. You have to be able to take care of them properly. That's why I don't have more. I know I'm in, I'm in a place where I'm not allowed to have dogs, for example. It's a very small place. Um, I don't have a lot of money. So um, these are the reasons why I don't have like a, you know, an enormous menagerie. <laughs> I wish I, you know, like I said, I'd love to have some sort of sanctuary, but... But, you know, the difference between then and now, the difference between the person I was then and the person I am now is that now when I leave Buddha, well, hopefully I won't ever have to do it again, but I might if I have to have, leave her and go away for a while. I recognize that she's a non-human person and I acknowledge that what she's going through. You know, I mean, every a lot of people do. They realize that it's upsetting for their, you know, for their pets when they're not home and stuff like that. But, um... So that was one thing I wanted to clarify is just like, you know, obviously it's not ideal. None of it's ideal. It's not an ideal situation for them to be in the situation that they're in, period. Um, I'm certainly not saying that people who care for non-humans and make, take measures, the best measures at that they have available to f provide for them while they're away, that those are in any way people who are being irresponsible. Just the opposite is just that the bottom line is the animals always lose. They're always going to suffer. Um, you know, it's not the same as being abandoned. It's obviously not the same as being experimented on and, or farmed for your meat or your fur, which is what a lot of what we consider to be pet animals are go through. And our, in my own country, dogs, beagles, um, there's an entire factory of beagle vivisection and experimentation in New Zealand. Um, and there's cat experimentation. And, of course, there's mouse and, you know, all these other animals. So, you know... There, there's a lot worse than 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 having you know owners who go on holiday and leave you in a cattery. But I'm just saying that you know they always are going to be the ones who get the short end of the stick because it's not conducive to our world for them to be property. Sentient beings should not be property. But I do you know I want to make it clear that this is the right thing to do in the situation that we're in. Just as sterilizing animals is the right thing to do, you know it's it's unconsenting surgery but the alternative is to let them continue to propagate and then be bring more into this world where they're not it's not conducive to their you know existing so i wanted to clear that up okay um so anybody you know obviously i i hope that that was clear but i was very very tired when i did my last podcast too and i was very um i was very overwhelmed i think because i um, was worried about jebby today is jebby's official six week birthday and they told me, the experts, um, I'm very, very lucky that I actually work at the vet because, you know, I just get, um, they just give me a free advice. They said if she makes it to six weeks, she's going to make it. In other words, she's if she gets to six weeks, she's going to survive being abandoned at birth. You know, obviously... I don't want anything to happen to her, but the 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 risks of her, of the death that that many many young kittens who are abandoned at birth, if they don't make it, to, you know, they usually don't make it to six weeks. So now she's out of the woods, so to speak. She's going to be, you know, barring any unforeseen, you know, other things, which you know, 
let's let's hope everything's beautiful. She's she's made it. She made it. So I'm very proud of her. Today is her birthday, six week birthday, and she is playing and running and jumping and purring and well, she's been purring for ages, but she's playing now. It's very funny, and I'm going to video it because um, it's just quite <laughs> it's fun to watch as well. She's doing it right now, actually. So yeah, so that was um, that was good. And then another thing I wanted to say was when I talk about one of the things that also really upsets me, I definitely do not condone buying from breeders. You know, obviously, you know that's certainly not something that I would promote. I, you know, we have to rescue the animals that have been abandoned. They're on death row. But I do acknowledge that the animals that are being bred for sale are also victims. And also need quote unquote rescuing. They do. They need rescuing. But I don't. So this is another horrible dilemma. So I'm so often when I say that, because you see, I used to um, when I brought Bruda over to New Zealand, she had terrible. She has terrible, um, very very delicate stomach. Bruda does, very very sensitive stomach. And I knew when I came from New York and had to switch her food because the brand of food that I used in New York, they didn't have here. She was fine on it, but I knew, I know Buddha, and you, you can't switch your food. She has terrible problems. So for literally for the first six months in New Zealand, she had constant vomiting and diarrhea. I took her to the vet so many times. Oh my gosh, it was just awful for her. I tried vegan food. I tried vegan food because I would, you know, the, the vegan cat food here, uh, there are a lot of success stories that certainly did not... Um, go down with her but neither did a lot of other foods I mean she's got a very sensitive stomach so I finally um, found um, so they put her on dry food for a while because she had such terrible diarrhea she's on like hyper hyper super hyper allergenic stuff and it was giving her diarrhea like really badly so I I actually was so it was just dry food only because I we tried all kinds of different things. Believe me, we went through so many different types of food, and I refused to give foods with byproducts in. I just refuse, so I didn't try those. But I think I even might have tried a couple of those. I was getting desperate, you know. Um, so anyway, I found this food, but it was like the super sort of like specialized food, and you can only buy it in certain places. And there was one place where I could buy it where I used to live. She doesn't eat that food anymore. She's back onto um, non-dry food because I think dry food's very bad for them. But that was another struggle because they discontinued the food that I finally found for her, and then we went through the whole thing again. It's just a really hard thing. Buddha's just really sensitive. So anyway, but the dry food that I used to buy her, when I finally found a dry food that stopped her the diarrhea and stopped the vomiting was only available where I used to live it was only available at a pet store a pet store where they sold dogs where they sold cats rabbits chinchillas live animals and they were from breeders you know and the conditions were it was it was like and I remember when I was in New York as well and I went into a pet store so it I I am not condoning buying bread purebred animals obviously we need to stop the institution of domestication and the ones in the SPCA are on death row literally but let me tell you they're all victims so I just want to acknowledge that and you know I wonder my mind grapples because I said you know we we, we say don't buy adopt obviously that that would be the the, the message that we're trying to get people we, we shouldn't be breeding them for sale we have these so many that are that are on death row but um and I often wonder I'm like well you know Okay, say say we say we convince everybody, like we finally get the message and people start to realize and they stop buying bred animals, right? 
Well, the best case scenario is that those bred animals will be dumped off at the shelters and then we, they can be rescued from the shelters and then we can sort of, you know, the demand will shift and then the breeders will find something else to do and we'll get rid of the whole institution. I mean, we have to sort of think these ways, but it breaks my heart though as well to think about the animals in the pet stores, you know. It's just horrific. They're just as much victims. Um, I don't know what happens to them. I mean, obviously, the, I think the ones at the SPCA are at risk of being killed. Um, I'm sure that bred animals are kept alive because they're money, you know, they're, they're items of property. The ones at the SPCA are, are, are um, you know, considered sort of like the throwaway, the garbage, the bin, and these, these are actual money makers, so obviously, but, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I wonder, you know, they're replaceable resources. These living sentient beings are replaceable resources, so sometimes I, you know, go a little crazy trying to think about these things, these horrible dilemmas, you know, the, the, the burn, we drag them into the burning houses, Gary Francione says, and we're stuck with these, but all I wanted to do was just acknowledge that, yes, we're rescuing, please don't, please don't buy from breeders, but I do acknowledge that, that all of them are victims, and they all, yeah, that's what I, I wanted to just put that out there, um, because we, you know, they are, and um, it's just, it's an overwhelming, overwhelming um, problem, that we've created with um, with our domestication of animals. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to say about last week's podcast was I my the website of the job where I work has updated the resume uh, the, the um they've updated the website completely. So anybody who maybe clicked on the link, it's completely changed now. So I think maybe what happened is they did an introduction to me, but they were planning to actually put me on the website because now I have a whole, whole profile page and they call me the Cat Whisperer, which I think is um, quite funny, you know, and they link to my blog um, because I went into work and my boss said, oh, you know, we've been getting a lot of hits from your blog. And I was like, oh, um, really? And, and they know how to do this. They They can track their website hits I guess they do that somehow and he so they found my blog I didn't tell them about my blog and um I don't expect anybody to listen to my podcast but you know I take a position that a lot of people don't agree with especially people who you know um breed animals for example but whatever um so I don't know we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see if anybody listens and, and has anything to say I stand by what I say However, all I want to say is thank you everybody for clicking on the link because I don't know if that's what prompted the whole thing, but either way, I, I, I spoke too soon. So yeah, there's a whole profile of me and there's a picture of me and the bags under my eyes are the size of trunks, okay, because I have a jabby. She isn't actually seven days old. It says seven days old um, on the website, but she was actually, I believe, three, uh, two weeks at that point. Oh no, she was seven days old. Yeah, she was. Was she? seven days old? I can't remember. It was a blur. Oh my gosh. So bags under my eyes in the photo. That's my excuse. You know, I get, you know, with a, like, because I'm vegan and because we have such a bad reputation of being, well, we don't have a bad reputation, but somehow or other there's this ridiculous legend. Well, first of all, everybody focuses on diet, which is what I'm going to talk about today, but that we're all skinny and unhealthy and pale and sickly. You know how many people say that? So I always try to look my best when I'm out and about, I want to look good for veganism, you know, so I was a little nervous about this photo, I thought, oh great, you know, because I look like hell, you know, so I said to them, please can you say that the reason I look this way is because I've been up for two, you know, without sleep for however many, I can't remember how old she was at the time, but um, it had been at least a week with just constant feedings every hour, 
and um, I was a wreck. So bags under my eyes and the photo. But anyway, there's beautiful photos of her and they've updated it. So I'm very, very glad that they did that. And they actually linked to my vegan, and they say, here's a link to my vegan blog, si blog site, which is really f nice. Um, so the profile's been updated and I'll put a link. So those are, yeah, those are the things I wanted to just clarify from last podcast. And I hope I um, clarified them. Oh my gosh, it took me 17 minutes just to do that. Okay. This is going to be a long episode. So today, I want to talk about veganism. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Animal rights, yeah. Um, I mentioned in the last episode about Milen Wallet is, um, has my face is on fire blog one of the fantastic abolitionists oh and I have an announcement oh that's right Milen now has a podcast we have another abolitionist vegan podcaster I just love it I love it I love it I love it and the first episode that she did the first official episode that was the like episode one of the my faces on fire podcast was what is veganism and I love that she did that she was very kind enough to let me put a soundbite on there, Jordan put a soundbite on there, Dan Kuda, he wrote an incredible, well she actually took something that he'd written, um, Nathan Schneider who is just, oh I love reading what Nathan, he really just puts stuff in a, in a, in a really amazing way, I love the way that he, he puts stuff, um, so he, he had some great stuff to say about what is veganism, and as you'll notice, anybody who listens to that podcast, none of us say it's a diet, you know, like, oh, veganism's all about me and the food I eat. No, 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 no. And um, Milen does a lot of really good work pointing this out that, first of all, there are a lot of famous people who say they're vegan. And it's actually only just about diet, it seems to be. And they're not even vegan. So, like, I remember a few episodes back. I mean, I've been doing this podcast for a year and a half now. And obviously, I've evolved and I'm learning. And I'm sure if I listen back to earlier episodes, I've contradicted myself and stuff. But, you know, I'm just, I'm constantly evolving in my thinking about these things. I'm learning because I'm being exposed to more things. So, you know, sure. I mean, I've changed, you know. That's fine. And what, I remember one of the episodes I did way back, I talked about some celebrities that were vegan. And I mentioned Alicia Silverstone. I mentioned Natalie Portman. I mentioned some others. And, you know, I didn't do my research. And I wasn't really, I was kind of, you know, I was I was new to, to, to the whole problems. I was new to the pro. I was very naive, put it that way. So um, that, that episode is redundant um, now. Because, um, for example, Alicia Silverstone. Milan has written a recent article. Now the book that Alicia wrote is called A Kind Diet. So here we go with diet. And and then she actually says in the book, I have this from a lot of sources, please correct me if I'm wrong and you've read the book, but all my sources that have read the book say that in the in the book about this kind diet, she has cheese every now and then because you know whatever. I'm sorry. You know, that's speciesist. And I don't know is there anything more than diet? I'm starting to get really, really like, one of the things that prompted me to want to do this episode, and I've been sort of saying it a lot lately, like, it's not a diet, it's not a diet. And we all know that, but the general public doesn't. They really don't. Um, they don't know that. First of all, they think it is a diet, and they think it's a diet that includes animal products, especially if Alicia Silverstone who is very vocal about her quote-unquote veganism, is out there saying stuff like, oh, I just have cheese every now and then, it's okay to cheat or whatever. 
if you think about it from a rights perspective, you would never say that about other atrocities. And we're talking about the level of atrocity. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm on a boiling sea. You know, I'm on this earth and I look around and, you know, I'm in this peaceful little place where I live and Jebby's down here and she's warm and safe and Buddha is actually outside, which makes me nervous, but she is now sits outside. She doesn't go very far, but, you know, it's another sort of dilemma that I'm in. You know, I can't, if I lock her in, she gets miserable now because I've moved to a place where there's a backyard. You know, I won't go back onto the whole pets thing, but, and, and yet I know that very close to me, and in fact, on the whole planet, there are billions of souls just in hell, just in hell, you know, right now. And, um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And so, just like, as I, just, I know for a fact that women are being abused right now, raped, you know, children are being abused right now. And you feel powerless, you know, and you, and you, and you think about it, but you would never go around and say, well, I just rape every now and then. It's not, you know, uh, you know. And whatever analogy, whatever, you know, comments you want to make about it. Oh, well, not everybody's a rapist. And now not everybody thinks rape's fun. I don't care if everybody eats animals. I don't care if everybody wears their skin. I don't care if everybody thinks it's normal. That does not fuel my rhetoric. The fact that everybody does it does not, is not the, I don't, I don't change my rhetoric to meet, to, to, sort of condone it. I don't count out we can't count out speciesism. So I um I'm learning about these celebrities. So Milen does this great work. So read her blog, you know, and realize what 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 she's doing. I mean her blog does other things. I mean her blog is great, but there are, she's she's good at that at, at finding these these articles and things by these celebrities. It's very important that we expose this. It really, really is. And, you know, people miss the point. It's not about going after Alicia Silverstone personally and saying, you're a terrible person, whatever. It's saying, look, you know, this concept of veganism is dealing with a holocaust of epic proportions of slaughter, torture, and murder. Well, murder is slaughter. Of billions of innocent sentient beings. That's no... That's not a light matter, and we need we need to get it clear. We need to get it clear. It's not clear yet. It hasn't been clear for years because you have welfareism saying we can use them as long as we do it humanely and blah, 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 blah. So that's what the abolitionist movement is about. But it's not about pointing, you know, we have to, we can't allow that to, to continue because we wouldn't, we, we have to change, you know, we have to clarify things. And one of the things that prompted me to get, um, even sort of more, like I remember, it is true that as long as people eat animals and think it's perfectly normal just to eat them for fun, they're not going to take them seriously. Like the pet issue, for example, if, if you know, a lot of people would just think we're crazy that we don't agree with having pets. They just think it's crazy. But these are people who just think it's perfectly okay to eat little baby lambs, you know. I always say little baby lambs. I'm trying not to be speciesist. I should say other animals as well. Um... You know, they eat pigs, they eat chickens, they eat innocent herbivores, innocent birds, just as a matter of course. So they're not going to understand the pet issue. But we can't focus on diet as a moral, you know, as, as you know, oh gosh, it's going to be really hard to articulate what I'm, what I'm going to say here.
veganism is not a diet. I used to say veganism is not just a diet, um, but I changed it to veganism is not a diet recently because it's not a diet at all. I don't want to say just a diet. It's not a diet. Veganism is not a diet. Not the veganism I'm representing, not animal rights. For me, it's animal rights. It just happens to, you know, the manifestation of animal rights, the, the, the way to be a person who respects and acknowledges animal rights is to be vegan. They're intertwined, you know. They're, you can't have animal rights without veganism. So that's the way, but it's not a diet. It is not a diet. It's not even just a diet because it's not a diet at all. It just so happens that a lot of animal use is what we eat, so a diet is included, you know. So I'm trying to, I've decided, I disagree and I think a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on this. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, culinary activism is very effective, you know. Um, teaching people what to eat because it is the biggest use. It is the biggest, most normal use. And it's the most sort of um, automatic. And, and it's, it's you know, anyway. Um, but one of the things that's been prompting me to, to take this angle is like, I'm not going to do a, a vegan cooking class presenting veganism as a diet um, I want to present veganism as animal rights and not using animals all animal use respecting them as moral persons that's what I want to do and then those people who actually wake up to that and they say wow I respect animals now I don't want to use them Whew, that means I'm not going to eat them anymore what, what am I going to eat those people can go to the vegan cooking classes but I don't want and I know, like I said, people, I'm going to agree, you know, that's fine. But I don't agree with people who are presented with veganism as a diet um, because it, it it presents it almost as a personal choice. I remember I was lucky enough to meet up with um, the wonderful Angel Flynn, who is part of Gentle World and writes great articles for Keto. And she's she was in New Zealand. I don't get to see them hardly at all because I'm kind of stuck in the city. But we got to meet, and this was where I was formulating my thoughts. And I'm like... You take, a per you take a person who has never been introduced to the concept of animal rights, and that would be the majority of the world, and I'm not, you know, I don't care about animal welfare, I'm talking about animal rights, and you talk to them about diet, right? You haven't actually given them the idea that animals are moral persons and we shouldn't use them. You're just telling them we shouldn't, you know, that this is about diet. We shouldn't eat them. It's wrong to eat animals, right? And most people say it's wrong to eat meat. And I've done it many times before, you know, meat eaters and stuff. It's this habit because, you know, it sort of is the biggest use. Um, it is the, like quantitatively speaking, but, but, but it doesn't address the core issue. So I kind of look at this way. One of the, one of the things that fueled this was there was an article written on CNN recently and I'll link to it and it was about the worldwide vegan bake sale and I don't agree with the way the article was written uh, maybe I should actually go there and yeah I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the article somebody tweeted it on on Twitter a retweet um, so I saw the comment that they had retweeted and the commenter had said was sort of trying to tell people don't get upset at, at, at these comments just you know you know come on let's let's kind of deal with it and be, you know, we have to be advocates and all this stuff. So I got intrigued um, and I went on the, I went on the um, uh, article and let me see if I can find it. Global, is called Global Bake Sale is Sweet Vegan Activism and it was on CNN.com. As we know, CNN is pretty big. Okay, uh, 
it says a good vegan cupcake so anyways this article about vegan bake sale as the annual worldwide vegan bake sale so it's baking it's vegan baking because a lot of people are very unaware that you can i honestly when i when i first went vegan i just assumed that all baked goods were out of the question i really did i thought that's it for cakes that's it for muffins that's it for cupcakes that's it for cookies that's it for everything you know people are very ignorant about diet i mean i'm not denying that we do need to do this but look at this some people become vegan for animal welfare reasons Others view it as a way to reduce their carbon footprint. Still others choose the plant-based diet as part of a healthier lifestyle. Okay, so where's the animal rights in that? Okay, um, it's just all about diet. And look, animal welfare reasons, this is just so wrong-headed, okay? Um, just so wrong-headed anyway. So the comments were extremely... Uh, da, 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 da. Comments, comments, comments. Yeah, it's just all about the diet. But the thing is, look, one of the things that um, made me think about this is I look at it this way now. It's not a personal choice to be vegan, um, it's a moral obligation, and it's not a diet. So I feel like when we when we focus on diet or when we try to have a vegan bake sale, look, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying the vegan bake sales are a bad thing. Just don't like the way this article was written, number one. Number two, I wish it didn't just focus on diet, although they just say vegans give up all animal products. That wasn't clear because now people are just going to think it's, 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 it's a diet and it's not just animal products. Veganism is more than just giving up the products. It's respecting the, you know, rejecting their use or their use. So I don't go to circuses. I don't go, I won't condone movies that use live animals or, you know, I try not to, I don't even really watch any, you know, any movies. Um, I used to, my brother used to bring over movies and stuff, um, that he, that he rented, but it's, it's a rejection of the property status of animals. It's a, and listen to Mylene's po podcast. That, that's what veganism is. So I feel like, and you know, this is like, you know, I'm just sort of like coming to new conclusions all the time. I'm only, I'm only going to present it as a, as a moral obligation about animal use. And diet is just one part of that. I'm not going to start with that. And I think that when people go to vegan schools, I want them to go to vegan schools with the desire to be vegan not just somebody who wants to have be healthier or somebody who just wants to reduce their carbon footprint or somebody who is all about them or who just wants to try it because they're they want to lose weight or whatever 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 that doesn't help animals um not 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 enough not enough I mean, we we need we need to really um this is way more, you know i don't quantify abuse i don't quantify suffering and i don't quantify death, so i don't agree that Oh, it's so hard to articulate what I'm trying to say. Let me give you an example. When people want to go to vegan cooking classes, I want those people to have gone there because they are vegan. They recognize the moral personhood of animals and um, they're abolitionists and then they learn how to you know, cook that way rather than just people who are just being told, well, this is a personal choice and you can come and eat this great food if you want. Um, it's, it's up to you kind of thing. Um, now, look. Anybody who knows me or has knows my, you know, the way that I do activism, I'm not, you know, I know how to talk to people. I'm not a fool. I'm very well aware of the so, of the sociological implications of what we're doing and the entrenching of the, of um, speciesism in the society. And I know that, and I deal with all that. Um, I don't. Um, I'm not. You know, we're not stupid. Um, we don't think that people are going to go vegan overnight just because we go up to them and say it's your moral obligation to go vegan. But we as advocates need to give that message, and that's the message to be giving. And um, so the point is, I reckon that 
when we do something like I, I try to put myself in the shoes of of the people who are not vegan and who are just living their lives, and then all of a sudden they're confronted with this stuff, right? And the reason that they get so a lot of people get, um, you know, they do kind of go off on these tangents is because when you present it as a diet, as a kind of like a personal choice, right? It's almost like it would be annoying because it's almost like going up to somebody and saying, oh, I really, really love the color blue. You should wear blue all the time. Come on, look, I've got all these great blue clothes. Just wear blue. Come on, wear blue. It's really, really great. And you're like, man, I don't want to wear blue. Get away from me. I like wearing green or whatever like that, you know? Um, it's sort of like making it a personal choice. And, and people really do think when you're talking to them about diet that we they look at it, they take it very personally. It's like me coming up to you and telling you what colors to wear. Now, obviously, and you know, morally, empirically, it's not because there are third-party victims. And whether you wear blue or whether you wear yellow does not affect the, you know, there's no sentient being being murdered on one scenario and not being murdered on another scenario. But that's the way people, I reckon that, I mean, Roger could help me out here, but I reckon that sociologically, you're going after people and talking to them about diet, and they, are, they it is very personal to them. It would be like me saying to you, I don't want you to eat pasta anymore. I only want you to eat rice. Um, now, obviously, people make the moral argument. They say it's wrong to eat animals, you know, but I think that we have to start with the moral personhood of animals. We have to start with the moral personhood of animals. Oh, my God, Buddha's soaked. She went out in the rain like a, my goodness, it's all these changes happening. All these changes are happening. She's got Jebi, and now we have Buddha. She's never, ever probably been in rain before. I'm not kidding. Um, she probably never has unless it rained on me while I was carrying her on the subway, uh, carrying her on the way to the subway to go to the vet one time or something. So she's experiencing rain and grass and all these things that she never got to experience in New York. So anyway, sorry about that. I'm getting sidetracked. So yeah, um, I think that when we put when we present it as a diet and try to sort of entice people, we're leaving it up to them. We seriously, you know, it's not up to them. I mean, obviously, they have to make the choice. We can't force them. We have no way of forcing people. We can't force people to talk to us who don't want to talk about it. But I don't want to present it as an option. You know, well, it's really great food. I hope you like it. You know, no, 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 no. It's not about food. You know, we need to wake up to the moral personhood of non-human animals, all non-human animals. And um, that's 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 why I sort of when I read these comments, a lot of these people were like, "Stop telling me what to eat." Now Ari Solomon wrote a really good um, article on that called "Don't Tell Me What to Eat." But I just I just want to get away from this focus on diet as the sort of the starting point. I don't want to start with diet. I want to start with animal use. And then people can worry about diet because they're going to worry about diet. But let's not make it about that um, from, from the get-go. Um, I want people to be woken up to the fact that animal use is wrong and the way I was. And then they'll start looking for the diet themselves. You won't have to sort of, they'll be looking for it. They'll say, oh man, I need to go vegan. I need to figure out what to eat because I don't want to use animals anymore. I recognize that they're moral persons. So it's just kind of like a, so I'm going to do that. You know, I always kind of have, 
but I do recommend that like these global vegan bake sales where they present it as some people go vegan for this reason, some people go vegan for that reason. First of all, they're talking about diet, so people don't, you know, people really don't know that veganism is actually not a diet. It's all animal, you know. It's, it's listen to Mylene's podcast, and number two, it's kind of giving them the option, and it, and it would be. I, I try to put myself in their shoes and I'm kind of like, I probably would be annoyed because it's kind of like somebody really good-naturedly and, and well-meaning trying to get you to do something um, in a way that is, is all about you. And if you don't want to do it because um, you don't feel like doing it or whatever, then you kind of put in a position where you're like, I don't want to, you know, and then they said, no, but you have to because of the animals, but you've kind of started on the wrong foot. I think that we need to get people seeking out. If we do it right, and, you know, we're all still learning. I'm still learning and, you know, but if we do it right, people will seek out a plant-based diet um, for themselves. So I just don't think we should start from there. Um, and like this article, I'll, I'll put a link to it because some of the comments, yeah, just, yeah, to each their own, just leave it as that. This isn't me pushing my values on anyone. I think most folks can get um, used to eating just about anything. Sometimes it depends on where you live. Folks in some countries have little choice but to eat meat. As for me, I'm looking forward to summer. Grilling steaks and chicken. Um, mm. um, it's kind of just that it's wrong-headed. Um, I mean, this article's probably not a good example because it's, you know, like I say, while vegetarians stay away from meat but may consume dairy and eggs, vegans give up all animal products. While well, you're focusing on diet here, we got to get to the moral person. We we got to cut to the nitty gritty. I'm um, I'm suggesting that we rethink this. That's all. I'm just suggesting that we rethink it. And you know, obviously, I'm all over the place, as you can tell. I don't really know how to sort of put this into words very well. But I really, I really think that um, when we do this, when we kind of, when we kind of do cooking classes that focus on health and we kind of we're we're leaving it up to people to make to um i don't i just don't think it's the place to start i want to send people to those classes who are vegan or you know they've decided to go vegan i decided to go vegan and it took me ages before i was actually vegan because i didn't know i had to learn i didn't know about certain things um but I considered myself vegan. I decided, I made that decision to go vegan. Whereas when you get people who are kind of doing it and you're sort of teaching them that it's all about them and, you know, first of all, people cheat, you know, diets all the time. Second of all, it doesn't address all animal use and it doesn't give animals a moral personhood. It's nothing to do with the animals. It's all about, you know, it's all about what what's good for people. Um, luckily for us, you know, vegan diet is incredibly healthy. Luckily for us, it's way better for the environment. You know, that's fantastic. We're really lucky to have those things on our side. But, um, uh, yeah, you know what? There's another article that I read uh, today, and I, I didn't bring it home, but I was sitting in the laundromat, and it was about how animal, uh, about how vegetarianism in New Zealand and the New Zealand listener. Vegetarianism used to be all about animals, but now it's more about the environment. Even, I mean, literally, it said that, you know, and they didn't even say vegan. So people are still very, very confused about the whole vegetarian vegan thing. But yeah, I just. Boy, I hope I made sense. I hope people understand. Maybe you know, help me out here. Let let's put our heads together on this. You know, um, 
we we got to get the focus off diet. It's it's not a diet. I mean, it's not a diet. It's way way more than that. We need people to realize that it's not a diet. Diet is kind of personal choice, you know. It's like what colors you wear. Um, you know, some people like chocolate and some people like potato chips, you know. Um, some people enjoy meat and some people enjoy vegetables. No, 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 no. So, yeah, so anyway, I really hope that I made sense. It took me a lot less time than I thought because I guess I'm not organized enough to say it. I'll just, I'll probably return to this. Um, I just feel like when you kind of, I just feel like we need to rethink, we need to get a little more clear. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit, um, just wanted to return to Milan's blog. So, We've had, we have these these celebrities who are saying that they're vegan, and then it turns out that they eat cheese every now and then or eat a non-vegan product. Uh, that's it's really bad for animals, don't you agree? It's not it's not about you know I wish more than anything that Alicia, who obviously does care about animals, just not as much as she pretends to, obviously, right? I mean, come on now, I mean you can't just Oh, I just eat cheese every now and then. Or uh, the whole, the whole, the whole thing that started was about this ve- uh, Burger King non-vegan burger, um, the veggie burger. It's not vegan; it has animal products, and um, and then she's telling people that it's really delicious and stuff. But she'll never eat it again because it's not vegan or whatever. It's just very confusing. Read my Milan's read Milan's blog entry, and realize that we we want her to read it too, and and and. For the animals, and to say, "Gosh, I'll never promote non-vegan stuff again." That's bad for the animals, you know. It's not about her, you know, and it doesn't detract if she has been responsible for people going vegan. Really, going vegan. There's a difference between eating a plant-based diet and going vegan. Um, somebody said that to me. They recommend I prefer that if you eat a plant-based diet. Let's call it that you're not vegan unless you are vegan. And we know what veganism is. So listen to Milan's uh, podcast and also read Gary Francione and, you know, all that stuff. So we we want, you know, I know that if people do go vegan and I hope when I say vegan, I really, when I say vegan, I mean vegan, not just a diet, not just, you know, oh, I'm going to have honey or whatever. Vegan, abolitionist vegan basically is what I mean. Um if they've gone that way from being exposed to anything that Alicia Silverstone has done, that's great, you know, but why don't we get as many people as we can? Let's, let's reach for the maximum. Let's reach for the top. And the way to do that is to be 100% consistent. Nobody gets away from the real message. Nobody gets away from the real message because it would be silly to think that all the people that she has reached would not have been reached by her if she was promoting, you know, the real, the right message. But there may be more, and there probably would be more. And also, the people that she reached by promoting that message would be people who themselves would promote that message. That's what the animals need. They really, really do. That's what children need. You know, when we're promoting the rights of children, when they and women and and any other oppressed humans, I mean, anything like that, they, you know, we. We got to. We can't compromise on the on the on the message. All the people that get it through some half-assed way are still going to get it. 
there are those people who are going to get it, but even better, they're going to get it probably even in a more stronger way. And when they advocate for it, they will advocate for that as well. Can you see what we mean by grassroots movement? It has to be the right. We've got to do it right for the animals. Okay, it's, a, it's, it's, it's equally as important to represent the non-humans as it is to represent humans. And when there was this huge outcry about the female genital mutilation, which still occurs, and they were going to compromise, um, the governments were going to compromise and say, let's, do it, let's make a nick um, in the genitalia and there's a compromise or whatever. Everybody immediately recognized, well, all the human rights, you know, watch and all the human rights advocates immediately recognized that this was not on, you don't do that. And they con- condemned it and as, with one voice, they denounced that as a violation of, of the message of the, of the rights. We don't do, you know, unfortunately, the only people who do that in the animal movement are a small group of people right now, but we're growing. And, you know, so we're kind of looked at as, you know, like these sort of like annoying people, whatever, who just never want, you know, well, just let it go. Well, let's, let's, let's imitate human rights people, you know. Nobody jumped on the human rights. Maybe a couple of people jumped on the human rights. People said, oh, stop stop being so nitpicky, right? Is that a bad animal metaphor? I don't know. You know, stop being so fussy. Don't split hairs, you know. Um, maybe they did. But in general, I think most people agree that you don't do that because it was a welfarist message. It was like, well, we can still continue to mutilate the genitals of females, but let's just do it in this way. And then that's compromised. And everybody said, what? You know, that's crazy. That's as crazy as a humane rape campaign, right? Well, we need to do that for the animals too that's what we're saying when we say these things so it's not about alicia silverstone it's about the animals so when you get a famous person who says they're vegan and veganism means animal rights well animal rights means veganism and you they she claims to represent animals and about being about kind being kind to them and this is you know eating cheese every now and then or whatever that's actually really bad for animals and we and we have to sort of we kind of have to um you know, we have to kind of combat, we have to kind of like deal with that. We kind of have to like, I can't think of the word right now, but we kind of, we, we got to um, combat the, the effect of that. We got to turn it back around. We got to say, no, 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 hang on. You know, we have to do that. And we're not famous, you know. Um, so, but we still got to do it. We're going to do it because somebody's listening. You know, somebody's, people are reading Milan's blog. And if those people catch on and those people realize it and realize what's going on, then they will also do it. And that's, that's the grassroots movement. So we're not going to go away and we're not going to let people get away with this. And it's not about them. Like when I say a lot of people get away with it, it does sound personal, but it's not personal. But it's like, you know, why don't we imitate, you know, let the animal movement, let the animal movement be an animal rights movement. And that's what this is all about. So it's not about diet. It's not about, you know, compromising or... um being, you know, kowtowing to speciesism. I refuse to do that. And um, it doesn't mean we're naive. We acknowledge we're very fully aware of the situation. But we need to have the right message. Very easy to do. Just be consistent. Be consistent. If you're vegan, first of all, are you vegan? Check yourself, right? I, I do it constantly. I constantly am checking myself because we're in constant contact with non-humans. They're everywhere in our sort of interactions, insects, you know. I've got Zebi and Buddha here who are completely dependent on me. Um, right now, I should probably be giving Zebi some, some more attention because she's only six weeks old. She's sitting, staring with that look. I've put photos of this. She is watching me. 
watching, watching, watching. Probably because I'm not giving her enough cuddles. And she's a little baby and I had to go to school today. So I had to leave her. You know, I didn't have to leave her long enough to put her in a boarding house, but she was all alone. Um, you know, I have to put her in her in her big... I've got a new fortress of Jebi. I'll post a photo because she's not potty trained. Um, and she is. She does use her litter box when it's there, but she also does it all over the house. And that's not conducive to hygiene for myself. Um, cat feces is very dangerous for humans. I don't know if you know that. And um, it's also just, it's just not hygienic and it's not good habits for her. Um, I'd like to keep her, um, I'd like to keep their waste products contained. So she's locked into, it's a big, it's a big dog, um, enclosed dog um, cage. But um, she, you know, she's, she's put in there. And then when I get home, I let her out and she still sometimes goes and runs away and tries to, to do her business in her little usual spots and I have to pick her up and put her back in her litter box and stuff. So we're, we're getting there. But you know, um, I should probably be off this computer right now and just completely lying on the bed with both of them. I'm making compromises, you know, making compromises all the time. And I think it's very important to do this podcast, so I will just put her on my lap. How's that? Okay, so anyway, um, I'm sorry if I was all over the place. I'm really, really busy at the moment and I'm going to come back and be more organized. I want to have more interviews. I definitely have to start having more people on. I'm going to do go back to doing my Spanish podcast. William and I are going to hit the streets again. Movement's just beginning and I'm still young-ish. So, um, you know, this is all, it's all, it's all happening. But um, I don't know, I hope that people sort of got my point about what I was trying to say and about this whole sort of thing and I think that it is that, that that is the reason why people do actually get into the whole personal choice thing because they really do look at it as a personal choice um, and the way it's being presented is as a personal choice and then they just finally get irritated and they're like look I don't come over to your house and tell you what color to wear so stop you know saying oh look at this kid but don't you want to try some oh come on it's really good just try some just try some go on go on it's really really good it's really really good you know no I want to like a really kind of um I want to get people thinking for real about the animals you know um and I'm not saying that you know I don't I, I really don't want to be misconstrued it's just sort of like a concept that I'm coming up with here where I'm kind of like I'm like you know what it is the biggest use, and yes, as long as people are eating animals like it's nothing, they're not going to recognize it zoos and circuses and pets and all this stuff, but it's all one thing, and that thing is animal use, and that thing is animals are property, and we, um, so we, we need to, that's the baseline. Veganism is the moral baseline, but veganism is the moral baseline, not a plant-based diet. Plant-based diet is not the moral baseline, it's just part of veganism. Okay. Um, thanks for listening and I'll be back. Bye.